For wisdom and not reason When you pray Let his name be your petition When you pray When you pray Oh, when you pray Pray, pray Don't show us the way Show us
battle-ready prayer. Praises be to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I give thanks for a mind to pray, a heart to seek your face, and authority to bring my members into subjection. I thank you for this moment and the opportunity that each day brings. I know that each day is special and I am empowered with unlimited potential. There are no ceilings on my life, obstacles that cannot be overcome, or barriers that can stand in my way. In fact, this is the greatest day of my life, and I am free to exercise all of the gifts and talents you have blessed me with. My hopes and dreams can manifest today, and I approach this moment with great expectation for miracles, breakthrough, and deliverance. I stand before you, Lord, naked, offering no excuses or justifications for my shortcomings and weaknesses. I come, Lord, seeking your standard and not those of men. I pray that you will forgive me my sins, known and unknown. Forgive every thought, deed, action, motive, or intent of my heart that is not lined up with your word, your will, or your calling and purpose for my life. Please forgive secret faults and uproot any seed of discontent that has been planted in my life. Forgive me, Lord, if I have held back the tithe, and give me a heart to restore every person that I have wronged. Just as you forgive me, I forgive those that have wronged me, and I let go of any art, bitterness, or ill will that I have held in my heart. I will not allow sin and bitterness to cut off the flow of blessings into my life. I repent right now in the name of Jesus, and I receive the power of the blood to cleanse me from all iniquity. I come before you, Lord, with a heart that is after your own, and a mind that has stayed on you. I thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself and the consequences of sin. I surrender, Lord, and give you total and complete reign over my life. I willingly submit to you in thanksgiving and praise. I thank you, Lord, for the relationship and fellowship that you have allowed me to share with you. I thank you for every moment, prayer, word, and opportunity to gain revelation and understanding concerning you. Forgive me for the times I have taken you for granted or moments where I have allowed my focus and discipline to slip. I choose you, Lord, and all of your benefits and denounce all ties and fellowship with the world. I have no place in the world and denounce everything that it offers. You have given me a choice, Lord, and I choose to be in covenant with you. I have crossed the line of no return, and I will not look back. Each day I am getting more and more like you and growing further and further from this world. My reality in Christ is more real than what my natural eyes behold, and I know that you are not a million miles away. You are right here with me every step of the way. I will have confidence in you, Lord, concerning every situation I face, every decision I make, and every temptation in my path. Give me an ear, Lord, to hear your instruction, eyes that will not be deceived, and a heart that will remain faithful. My life has been built on the foundation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died on the cross for my sins, and your blood was shed for me. I exercise total faith and confidence in my belief that death was powerless to hold you in the grave, and that you rose again and resurrected every dead thing. I receive your resurrection power and declare that there is no dead thing in my life. I speak life in all things pertaining to me. Even now, Lord, I pray that you will breathe life into my relationships, my home, my dreams, my career, and my calling and purpose. Let there be no cracks in my foundation and restore every bone that has been broken. I pray, Lord, that dead branches be pruned for me and my harvest bear much fruit. I offer no resistance and pray that all ungodly distractions be pruned for me, whether they are people, unhealthy relationships, 
environments, dead situations, ungodly influences, or anything that is not expedient for me. I distance myself right now from every dead thing and release them from my life in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that I have inherited life through your sacrifice, forgiveness for my sins through your blood, revelation through your word, and I have been empowered by your spirit. I take precious time, Lord, to fully grasp and consider what my relationship with you means. Help me to never lose sight of the fact that I have an adversary that must be fought each day. My adversary is the world and Satan, who is the prince of this world. The world around me is not my home, and each day it becomes more a reflection of Satan, its prince. I am not ignorant to Satan's devices, and I understand that the world is designed for my destruction. The allurement of pleasure and the temptations that cross my eyes are for the purpose of robbing me of everything I have inherited through Christ. Every trap, every lust, and the pride that is in the world are set against me on all sides. The hope that I have is in patiently walking according to your word and staying firm to the covenant I have made with you. The world cannot strip me of my authority, but I can hand it over. I will not be deceived by what I see, hear, or how I feel. If it is not of God, then it is for my destruction. Help me, Lord, to see the spirit behind the temptation. The word tells me that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I rebuke and bind every influence that seeks to draw me away from you. For it is nothing more than a gateway to hell and will rob me of my eternal destiny. Father, I know you are able to do all things, and there is nothing that is impossible for you. Right now, Lord, I remember my first love, and I am prepared today to exercise faith in the light of circumstances. Sacrifice my own wants and desires in order to embrace yours. Stand on the word of God, even if it causes me to be peculiar. Deny my flesh and feelings, regardless of the temptation, and not make decisions based on what I see or think. I will forget about the past and press towards the mark. I will walk as a prophet of God, put my head up, and if anybody is there to encourage me, then I will encourage myself. I will not be ashamed to follow the examples of Christ, even in the face of persecution. To think differently in the light of the negative labels and slander I may endure. Nor will I be afraid to take a stand in the minority, even if it seems as if the whole world is standing against me. I am willing to abstain when others are eager to participate, to speak out when my words may cause me to be ostracized and to believe the Bible even when it is the unpopular thing to do. In other words, I am prepared to live like Jesus. I release my faith right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever situation I'm in, whatever I'm dealing with, and regardless of what odds are against me, I will be steadfast and unmovable. I am an elite company and encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. The words of this prayer will comfort me, build up my spirit, man, and encourage me in the way. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down Satan and his forces of darkness from any involvement, activity, or distractions in this prayer. I commission my angels to come against every thought, feeling, influence, and hindrance that is set against me. I stand in the gap for my family and friends and pursue the Lord with all of my heart. Even as I hear the words of this prayer, my body is regenerating itself. My body is preparing itself for another productive day. My body is developing according to your plan and health is being released in all of my organs, tissue, bones, bodily systems, veins, arteries, and muscle. My brain is processing the information consistent with your word and filtering out everything that is not of you. My heart is being protected from all ungodly influences and my innocence is being guarded. I have and will always have a sound mind that is saturated in your word. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke evil spirits from attaching to me 
in any way, shape, or form. They have no place, familiarity, or invitation in my life. They do not enter into my eyes, my ears, my mind, or my heart. My spirit, man, has victory over them all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down, and break all generational curses. I decree by the blood of the Lamb and the power given to me as joint heir with Jesus Christ that I will not be the victim of physical, mental, or emotional abuse, nor will I have, serve, or entertain idols or false gods. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I decree that I am not a covenant breaker, and my yea is yea and my nay is nay. I pray, Lord, that you protect me from all hurt, harm, pain, and danger, and those that mean me ill will. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have the patience of Job, the meekness of Moses, the heart of David, the favor of Joseph, the ear of Samuel, the courage of Joshua, the wisdom of Daniel, the zeal of Peter, the love of John, the faithfulness of Abraham, and the boldness of Paul. I abide in the fruits of the Spirit all the days of my life, and even now these fruits are growing in me. Lord, help me to be a person of great faith, consistent in good deeds, and a constant encourager. I will continue to love you with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love my neighbor as myself. In the name of Jesus and the power of your blood, I pray, Lord, that you are first in everything that I do, and I have no priority greater than you all the days of my life. I am eternally connected to you and have an expectation in heaven. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that my face be before the Lord always and that your angels encamp around me and deliver me. Order my steps in the word and design my days according to your will. The Lord touches my mouth and puts his words in it. Lord, I will go wherever you send me and speak whatever you give me to speak. I am not afraid of their faces because your sword protects me at all times. Father, you are my sustainer, my provider, my comforter, my guide, my strength, and most of all, my friend. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I equip myself right now with the whole armor of God that I am covered from head to toe in every aspect of my life. There should be no parts of my life that are exposed on the inside or out, but all should be covered by the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I put on the helmet of salvation. I have been redeemed from all traces of poverty, and I rebuke and bind a poverty spirit. You supply all of my needs, and I am blessed all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I speak abundant harvest in my life. My bank accounts are overflowing, and my barns are full. The blessings of the Lord overtake and pursue me all the days of my life. I speak financial security and wholeness over my family and the perfect will of God in my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and curse the spirit of death. I shall not see untimely death, nor shall death have any hold over me. I shall fulfill all of my days, months, hours, years, minutes, and seconds. I have divine order in my life, and death has no grip on me. A thousand shall fall by my side, and ten thousand by my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Peace rests upon me and covers my mind and heart. I have peace in the midst of storms, chaos, and confusion. Your peace comforts me in times of trial and sustains me from being weary. It surpasses all understanding, rendering logic helpless, and my faith sustains me. Father, you are an awesome God. You are not a million miles away, but right here with me each and every day. You walk with me, talk with me, and guide me every step of the way. You love me, and I rest in you, and I know that you are my God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have been empowered with the sword of the Spirit, and I have authority over all power of Satan. I rejoice and celebrate that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The sword of the Lord shall never depart from me, 
and I speak boldness into my spirit. I rebuke, bind, and cast down the spirit of fear. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When I walk through the waters, you are with me. When I go through the rivers, you help me. And when I pass through the fire, the flame does not kindle upon me. You have sent your love upon me, and you protect me all the days of my life. The hedge of protection rests on me, and your fire shall be in my spirit. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, the shield of faith is an extension of my arm. My faith shall not fail me, and I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. If you said it, then I know that you will do it. You shall not withhold any good thing from me, and you are able to perform your word in my life. I fortify my faith by releasing the promises of God into my life. Every word you have spoken concerning my destiny shall be established and come to pass and my enemies shall not prevail against me. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my marriage. I pray that my marriage will continue to be everything that the word of God called it to be. My marriage shall be built on faithfulness, trust, loyalty, and a mutual love of God. You shall be the head of my house, at the center of everything we do, and the word of God shall be the binding and final authority in all matters. I am God's ambassador in my house, and I shall cover my spouse all the days of my life, through my word, examples, character, and deeds. My marriage is blessed and washed in the blood and shall weather any challenges that arise against it. Our love continues to grow stronger each day as the Lord allows us to see more of him in one another. If I am single, then I confess total contentment within myself, wholeness in my life, patience to wait on God and security in Christ. I am a person of high self-esteem and significant value to the kingdom. I will not compromise my covenant with God nor will I allow fear to cause me to operate in the fleshly realm. I exercise complete and total control over my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I do not leave any doors open for Satan to sneak in. I understand that every relationship is not for me. Every person does not have my best interests. All that glitters isn't gold, and every sugary thing is not sweet. In the name of Jesus, I will not be distracted by counterfeits and wolves in sheep's clothing. I will not lower my biblical expectations nor will I give in to the pressures of the world. I have total confidence in God and the plan that he has for my life. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my children to you, Lord, and trust you to impart me with the ability and wisdom to raise them in the fear of the Lord. I make a commitment to my children to openly receive the instruction in your word on how to raise them, love them, and properly present them before you at that day. I pray that your calling and purpose will be fulfilled in them and ask that you guide and direct me in all matters concerning them. I shall be careful to represent you before them in everything that I say or do. I commit to live holy before them and set godly examples for them to follow. I shall not be a hypocrite, and I shall practice what I preach. I shall be a provider and protector for them and make whatever sacrifices are necessary to ensure them a wonderful life. I shall fight to preserve their innocence and protect them from the brainwashing of the world. My expectation in them shall come to pass, and the blessings set out in your words shall be established in them. My children shall see you in everything that I say and do. In the name of Jesus, I seal my soul to the words of this covenant, that it is the declaration of my heart, that every word be lined up with the perfect will of God, and line by line with his understanding. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the final arbitrator of my mind and heart, and that this covenant be in all ways pleasing in the sight of God. I thank you, Lord, that you love me, and that you hear me. I thank you, Lord, for a mind to share intimate fellowship with you. I thank you that these words shall be established in my heart and mind, that they shall be a part of me and guide and direct my paths at all times. 
I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this second chance. I look forward to your return, and I know that nothing that I have done or sacrificed has been in vain. Thank you for this life, who I am in Christ, and for all blessings you have bestowed upon me. Amen. 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 And good evening. We just want to thank you for joining us on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. Yes, it is another wonderful day. Yes, it is. Us to uh, unite together in his name on the same accord. It is so nice. It is so, beautiful. It's beautiful for all brothers and sisters to get together that love God and love talking about his word. And we're going to be studying his word tonight. We're going to be talking about Jesus' message to the churches. We're going to go into uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Write promptly what you see, your vision, in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus and Smyrna and to Pergamon and to Thyatira, to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, who is Laodicea? Well, I'm getting, we're getting ready to talk oh, about that. Oh, we're getting ready to talk oh, about that. Okay. So, just as the entire book of Revelation was sent as one letter that was to be read in every church, so the seven messages also contain lessons that can apply to Christians in every age. In such a way, the message represents different types of Christians in different places and times. For instance, while the general characteristic of Christianity today is Laodicean, some Christians may identify with the characteristics of some of the other churches. But the good news is that whatever our spiritual condition, God meets fallen human beings where they are. Amen on that. I appreciate you know know that that God meets us where we're at. He's not like man. You gotta already be fixed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God for a good God like that. You can go to him just like you are. You don't have to be all beautified up to go to God. In other words, we can't even beautify ourselves up before we don't go to God anyway. That's that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's what makes it so good is that you can go to them already all raggedy and torn up. God will receive you just like that. Amen. So we're going to start with the message to the church of Ephesus. That's okay, the first Ephesus. One. Okay. Ephesus was the capital and the largest city in the Roman province of Asia, located on a major trade route. So as a chief seaport of Asia, it was a very important commercial and religious center. The city was filled with such public buildings as temples, theaters, gymnasiums, bathhouses. It also was known for the practice of magic and was notorious for immortality and superstition. Yet, the most influential Christian church in the province was in Ephesus. So we're going to go to Revelation chapter 2 
We're starting with verse 1. To the angel messenger of the assembly church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches, in his right hand, who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, which are in the seven churches. We're going to go to verse 2. I know your industry act activities, laborious toil, and trouble, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested a critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ, and yet are not and have found them to be imposters and liars. Three. I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary. But I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left or abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. So... In the early days, the Ephesian believers were known for their faithfulness and their love. Although they experienced pressure both from outside and inside the church, the Christians in Ephesus remained firm and faithful. They were hardworking in obedience to the truth. Indeed, they could not tolerate false apostles in their midst. However, their love for Christ and their fellow members began to wane. Although the church stood firm and faithful without Christ's love, even their own lamp was danger of going out. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at 15 and at um, Revelations. No, I'm going to look at Ephesians. Sorry about that. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. We're talking about Ephesus. <clears throat> For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, which is the people of God. And I'm going to do 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you and make a mention of you in my prayers. So they had the love and the faith. But the problem was they was growing. They was the love the first level that they had of Christ was was getting weak. Yeah, it wasn't as strong as right. it was when it started out. When the love of Christ was it started to start out and had some weakness and started doing things that uh, Christ was not uh, pleased with. Right. Yeah, it started weakening and uh, letting itself slip and uh, do things that uh, Christ wasn't happy with anymore. Right, and, and this we gotta remember. Although the church stood firm and faithful, we didn't have they didn't have the love of Christ, and it was they were losing the danger. That when we don't have the love of Christ, we are in danger because love is the fulfilling of the law. Correct. That's right. You said love is fulfilling the law. So when you when you don't have the love. Uh, for Christ, you're not fulfilling the law. That means God is unhappy with you. He said, you love me, you what? Obey. You my commandment. The commandment. So that means you're not fulfilling the law. And it makes God, Christ, very unhappy with you. 
Exactly. And we're going to go to uh, Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 5, 6, and 7. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, 6, and 7. Remember then from what height you have fallen. Repent. Change your inner man to meet God's will. Okay, hold it right there. See what he was saying? Read that again. Remember then from what height. That you have fallen. You have fallen. You see, they had failed. They had failed from mm -hmm. They had been holding up God's word strong until right to the edge. It was held real tight. But they had still getting weak. They had still right. giving in to things that they hadn't been given into. Exactly. You're saying in that same verse, and do the works you did previously when first you knew the Lord, or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from this place unless you, unless you change your mind and repent. See, that's what I'm saying. They had started doing things that they had been doing. God was just pleased with them. Uh, they had started start letting things into the church that should not have been coming into the church or doing things in the church that they hadn't been doing or things that were against God's will. God has told them, you know, turn from your ways and repent. And that's why we're going to read 6 and 7 so they can see oh, exactly okay. what, right. what know, happened there. It good to me. Like it I know it got good. <laughs> <laughs> Yet you have this in your favor and to your credit. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, what they are doing as corruptors of the people, which I myself also detest. He who is able to hear, let him listen to give and to give heed to what the Spirit says to assemblies of the churches. To him who overcomes is victorious. I will grant to eat of the fruit of the tree of life, which is in paradise. <clears throat> so, in other words, they lost the love of the Nicolaitans because of what they were doing. Right. They, they, they had changed their way. They hated their world. Right. But they stopped loving them. We right. have to love them no matter where they at. Right. And pray for them so that they can, so the Lord can work on their hearts. But instead, they themselves start feeling like they don't like these people. And he tells them to love our enemies. Right. They have rise above loving them where they were at. God said love them where they're at. Pray for them where they're at. And they had rise above that. They had started thinking they were better than them. They, they had started looking down well, on what them. what happened? Like you said, pride started seeping right. in. Pride started seeping in. And God told them not to do that. God told them to pray for them where they was at. Pray. They needed prayer to help guide them out of where they were. And they started looking down and pride come in. They thought they were better. And, and God told them, no, no, no. This is not what I want you to do. And they wouldn't change their ways. They just kept going the opposite of what God told them to do. That's right. And what he's saying is prophetically, the situation in the church in Ephesus corresponds to the general situation and spiritual condition of the church in A.D. 31. <clears throat> the apostolic church was characterized by love and faithfulness to the gospel. But by the end of the first century, the church began losing the fire of its first love, 
thus departing from simplicity and purity of the gospel. And see, we have to be careful that ourselves. You know, we didn't get so caught up in works and doing this and doing that so we lose the love that we should have. So when our new members come in, we can give them that love. But we get we can't even love each other. How are we gonna give the love to a new member? Yeah, and our new members and all our new members see is uh, us judging and cutting others down. And that's they don't see the love of Christ. They don't see that light that Christ wants them to see out of the old members. And God said, Stop this. Stop it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want you to show the light. Let my light be seen. And they 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 was going they was going the opposite way of what God had told them to do. And he wanted them to turn from their wicked evil ways because it was the way of the world. It was more and more going towards the world than going godly uh, like uh, showing the love of God, mercy, uh, kindness, uh, love. You know, it was getting away from that. Exactly. So they, they have problems in the church. It's like we got problems today. But we're going to talk about all these things of the letters that the Lord wrote to the seven churches. Now we're going to talk about Christ's message to Smyrna. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2 and starting with uh, verse 8. Now we've got to remember God was talking to the church mm -hmm. and these people were doing this to themselves. Mm -hmm. They were doing this within the church and, and God was saying, you can't be a light to a dark world if, if you, we don't change if what you, we're doing. Right. If you don't change your mind yourself, the world will see you uh, bickering and arguing among yourself. Then how can you be a light to the world and they see no light among yourself? And we have to have that love. So in the church of Ephesus, they were faithful, but they lost their first love. If you think about most of us that when we first found Christ, we was on fire yeah, for Christ. We, we, we was like, let's do this, let's yeah, do that. I, and now we didn't got stagnant. Like, yeah, okay, well, I mean, I'll world, do that tomorrow. The world can see the love that you had. You mm -hmm. you was united. You was like brothers and sisters, holding arms and hands, going and in the same direction, praying for one yes, another, encouraging yes. each other. Yes. But they lost that. They started pulling away from each other. And, and, and that's what God said, hold, hold, hold it. Repent. Yes. Before oh. I pull the lampstand yes. out from under you. Right. Repent, uh, brothers and sisters, and, and, and turn from them wicked ways and go back and unite as my children. Be my children again and be that light so the world can see my church. That's right. Now, first of all, Smyrna was a beautiful and wealthy city, but it also was a center of mandated umpire worship. Refusing to comply with this mandate could lead to loss of legal status, to persecution, and even to more, um, martyr. So we go on to chapter 2, verse 8. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and to the angel... Of the assembly of the church in Smyrna, right? These are the words of the first 
and the last who died and came to life again. I know your affliction and distress and pressing trouble and your problems, but you are rich and how you are abused and reveled and slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogues of Satan. Mm. They're not the synagogue. Okay, okay. I'm going to continue. We're going to go all the way to 11. Fear nothing that you are to, about to suffer. Dismiss your dread and your fears. Behold, the devil is indeed about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested and proved and critically appraised. And for ten days you have affliction. You have affliction. Be loyal, be faithful unto death. Even if you must die for it, I will give you the crown of life. Go to verse 11. He who is able to hear, let him listen to and heed what the Spirit says to the assembly of the churches. He who overcomes shall in no way be injured by the second death. So think about it. The message to the church of Smyrna applies prophetically to the church in the post-apostolic era when Christians were victoriously persecuted. Yes. And they were persecuted by the Roman Empire. Yes. So the 10 days mentioned in Revelation 2.10 point to the 10 years of the degradation, persecution from A.D. 303 until A.D. 313 when the Constantine the the Great issued the Edict of Milan which granted Christian religious freedom. We don't understand back in the day when all this stuff was going on Smyrna was persecuted right. at that time, and it was persecuted by the Roman Empire. And they in a weakened in their power. They started pulling away from God. They someone was persecuted. They, they, they lost their strength. They, they mm -hmm. faith, their faith got weak. They, you know, they started getting weak in their faith and their belief. And, and God told them, hold on. I'm weakened. I'm still here. Boy, what did they do? They, That's did, right. they gave up. Some of them gave up. Some of them gave up. And it was a lot of persecution yeah, it was, at that time. And so they went through a lot of affliction. They was persecuted by the Roman Empire. And see, this is what God is trying to warn us today. If we don't get this personal relationship with them now, when this time comes for us mm -hmm. again, we're going to be just like this. We're not going to be the whole, we're not going to be able to hold on. We're not going to be the hold on to him. We're going to be weakened just like them. We're going to give in. That's why he said build this relationship now. Get this personal relationship now with me. So when this time comes, you won't weaken. You'll be strong. You'll be able to hold on. You'll be able to keep my word and hold on to it and have hope and not Weaken to it. Exactly. We're going to be talking about Pergamon next. So Pergamon was the center of various pagan cults. We're going to be reading in, um, which one is that? That'll be 12, Revelation 2 12. So we're going to write yeah. the scriptures. Um, the center of various pagan cults. So you had a lot of cults, including the cult of Cephas the Greek god of healing, 
who was called the Savior and was represented by a serpent. Oh, my goodness. People came from all over to the shrine of Acephalus to be healed. But Pergamon had a leading role in promoting the cult of umpire worship, which, as in Smyrna, was compulsory. No wonder Jesus said that the Christians in Pergamon lived in the city where Satan's seat is and where his throne was located. So we're going to read Revelation 2.12. Then to the angel messenger of Assembly Church in Pergamon's right, these are the words of him who has and will to shit the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you live, a place where Satan sits enthroned, yet you are clinging to and holding fast my name, and you did not deny my faith even in the days of Atticus. My witness, my faithful one who was killed, martyred in your midst, was Satan, was Satan dwells. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have some people there who are clinging to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to set a trap and a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to entice them to eat food that has been sacrificed to idols, and to practice lewdness giving themselves up to sexual vices. You also have some who, in a similar way, are clinging to the teachings of Nicolaian, these corruptors of people, which think I, which thing I hate. So he wants them to, in 16, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Mm. So Pergamos was a city of pagan cults. They were basically the like he said, Satan was sitting right in the midst of it. And they had, basically, they had their own God. Exactly. Basically, they had their own God. They didn't, they, 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 they worshiped their own God. And they, they had their own everything. God, they oh. knew God was their God. They knew God had their back. They knew God was there for them. They, they pulled in their own God. They started worshiping our idols and things. They knew God was against this thing. God had told them about that. But you, like he said, the Christians in Pergamon, they faced temptation from both outside and inside the church. Yes. While most of them remained faithful, some, the Nicolaitans, advocated compromise with paganism in order to avoid persecution. Like Balaam. That's what well, we do. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to come up against the same mm -hmm. thing today. Yes, we are. It's on its way, uh, and, and it's on its way. It's coming, and if we don't, like I said, we don't build a relationship with God right now. When these things come about, mm -hmm. we got some of us gonna do the same thing today, and, and to, to get a relationship with the world, so we can do what the same as they did. Exactly, and that's what he's saying that um. Like Balaam, who apostolized and enticed the Israelites to sin against God on the way to the promised land. And we can look at that in, in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 31. So, if we, if we, don't, we don't get it, we don't, if we don't get it, we don't get it together, we're going to be just, uh, uh, just like uh, 
Day one. Uh, uh, just like uh, those people that were in those days. Exactly, 31 and 16. That's why he tells us that we have to get it together. So in 31, Numbers 31, 16, it says, Behold, these caused the Israelites by the counsel of Balaam to trespass and act treacherously against the Lord in a matter of P-E-O-R. And so a smitting plague came among the congregation of the Lord. So these members found it more convenient and even rewarding to compromise their faith. Though the Jerusalem Council had forbidden things offered to idols and sexual immortality, the doctrine of Balaam taught church members to reject this decision. So yeah. the only solution Jesus can offer for Pergamon is repent. Yeah, read number 17. This is one of their compromises. Mm -hmm. See, you, if you read 17 and... Yeah, and numbers... Thirty-one and sixteen. You want me to read seventeen? Yeah, read seventeen, eighteen. These are two of the things that they compromise. These are some of the things that they compromise right here. That well, he's saying in seventeen. Now, therefore, kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman who is not a virgin. Yes. But, see, well, God, that was the plague that came upon them yeah. because they did do wrong. That's oh yeah. I'm sorry. That's that's what I meant to say. Forgive me. That was a plague that God put upon them for doing wrong. And, 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 and you see, the same thing is going to happen today if we don't change mm -hmm. our ways. Plagues are going to, they're not dropping now, but they're going to drop. Right. They're not dropping now, but they're going to drop. That's right, because he, he's telling us if we, the church in Pergamon is a prophetic picture of a church from approximately A.D. 313 to 538. Mm -hmm. Although some members in the church remain faithful, spiritual decline and apostate increase rapidly. Well, if you look at today's church, that's exactly what is happening to today. our churches today. today. Some right. of us is remaining faithful, but you got so much compromising. In our churches. Yes. Terrible. Yes. Well, they're compromising with the world. Yes. Uh, or they don't, they, you know, they say, oh, no, that's the old way of doing it. We don't do it that way anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the, well, I didn't know God was an old God. I thought he was the same God yesterday yes, as he was last year. He said he is. Okay. But they said that's the old way. Of doing. We don't do it that way no more. We do it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's compromising. Huh? When you get through with it, that's compromising normally. How you write it, how you dress it, what pair of colored shoes you put on it. It's compromising. What the Bible says to you, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's right. If it's not in the Bible, then it's compromising. And okay. if they're not preaching according to the word of God, ain't no light in it. Ain't no light in it. So no we're, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about another church. And so we want you to keep it locked in on LPJ 64 the Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. I want to ask you a question.
happy? I want to know, have you ever been so sick you couldn't pray? You never experienced it, you just keep on living. I can talk about it tonight because I've experienced it. I recall September 71, I went into the hospital because I was becoming paralyzed. The doctor said I had two herniated discs in my spine that needed to be removed. But I was afraid to go through with that operation because I was told if the doctors made one mistake, I'd never walk again. But after lying there flat on my back from September until March 72, I thought about how I'd been traveling up and down the dangerous highways, singing and telling men and women that God is able. And here I'm lying in the hospital, afraid to go into that operating room. After I had a talk with myself, then I had a talk with Dr. Jesus. I told him I would go in there if he would go with me. Speak to the doctors and tell the doctors what to do. The 29th day of March, I went into that operating room, no fear. I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to use my hands again. But the night I can say thank God, I can go anywhere. I can sit down to the piano and sing and play again. But so many nights while lying there in that hospital, my body was racked with pain. I was so sick I couldn't pray. The only thing I could do was just look up toward heaven and utter these words.
not, I love that song. That's, I've always loved that by her. She's always sung that. It's always won my heart. I just I yeah, love I like that. that. And you've never been through any trials or tribulations and you won't understand that living. song. <laughs> but you keep living and you'll be looking for that song. Sure and will. Be out of That's right. So we thank you for joining us right here on LPJ. If you just joined us right here on LPJ Bible Story, excuse me, Bible Study Hour, we was talking about Jesus' message to the churches. We talked about Ephesus, we talked about Smyrna, and we talked about Pergamos. Now we're getting ready to talk about the Christ's message to Thyatira. And we're going to be going to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2. Mm -hmm. Okay. Revelation chapter 2, and we start at verse 18. Hmm. All right, there we are. Let's... Well, first, in the comparison with other cities, Thyatira had no political or cultural significance that we know of. Furthermore, the church was obscure. In order to run a business or have a job, people in Roman Empire had to belong to a trade. So Thyatira was especially noted for enforcing this requirement as gall members had to attend the gall festivals and participate in temple rituals which often include immoral activities so those who did not comply faced exclusion from the gauls and economic sanctions for christians at that time that meant choosing between total compromise or total exclusion for the sake of the gospel. So, you know what, that's like saying choose to serve Satan or God. That's right. That's what it was saying. This is what's happening. It was immoral uh, things they wanted you to do and to go to church. Mm -hmm. Can you see that happening today? Yes, I can. Can you see them saying, you're going to go to church to go to, to get your retirement, to get your this or get that. You're going to have to go to church on a certain day. Right. I can see that happening. Can you see that happening? Mm -hmm. Can you see things coming into play that happened right there in Rome? Exactly. Happening today, that happened in Rome then. This is a prime example that you're you're reading right here. Uh, for these people to do anything to go to church, they had to meet these requirements. And yeah, they it was, uh, they had to compromise, or either they had to do a total exclusion. We're going to read in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18. Okay, let me, I'll be quiet and let you go ahead and get with this. Revelation. We want to make sure they know in Revelation what happened. Okay. What, the, what Christ said to the Thyatira. Okay. All right, go ahead. Until the angel, messenger of Assembly of Church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God who has eyes that flash like a flame and fire of fire and whose feet glow like bright and burnished and white hot bronze mm. 
I know your record and what you are doing, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your recent works are more numerous and greater than your first one. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, mm, claiming to be expired, <laughs> and who is teaching and leading astray my servants and beguiling them into practicing sexual vice and eating foods sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she has no desire to repent of her immortalities symbolic of idolatry and refuses to do so. I'm going to read 22. Mm. So take note, I will throw her on a bed of anguish and those who commit adultery with her, her paramounts, I will bring down to pressing distress and severe affliction unless they turn away their minds from the conduct such as hers and repent of their doings. Mm. So, like the church in Pergamos, the church in Thyatira was pushed to compromise with the pagan environment. The name Jezebel refers to the wife of the king of Ahab, who led Israel into apostate. And that was in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31 and 33. If you want to go there, we can. Yeah, let's go there and look at that. That was 1 Kings. Yeah, we want First to look Kings, at that. One definitely look at First Kings chapter sixteen. All right, First Kings sixteen verse thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah, let's look at that word. Thirty-one. Okay. As if it had been a light thing for Ahab to walk in the sins of uh, Jeroboam, son of Nabat. He took for a wife Jezebel, daughter of Ethabal, king of the Sidonians, and served Baal and worshipped him. And he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Azriah, idolatrous symbol of the goddess Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. You know, he did more. <laughs> I'm telling you. See. And like you said, Jesus betrayed Jezebel in a spiritual, as spiritually immoral. So if we can look at um, Revelation. Yeah. Back to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20. And like, you, you see exactly. Like what he's saying. He was angry. He said, I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and who is teaching and leading astray my servants. Mm -hmm. We got to remember those church members who compromised the truth and adopted unclean pagan ideals and practices were permitting spiritual adultery with her. With her. So what do you think was happening now? That, that's what's happening today. You, 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 you have to 
That's why it's very important for us to read the word ourselves. And accept the truth. And accept the truth. Mm -hmm. Not look for someone to read it for us and tell us what to do, but read it. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide us so we'll know when we hear the word being taught, we'll know whether it's the truth or the truth or not. We'll know it's the truth and we'll know if it's not the truth. So we won't be misled. Because there are many, many false prophets today that's out there that's teaching what they want to teach. Right. As it was back when Jim Jones oh, did yeah. this thing. Mm -hmm. He taught mm -hmm. a false prophet. That was the beginning of the false prophet. And now there are many more like him. Many more. And so we need to read God's word so these things won't come upon God's people. We'll know what God wants us to know and understand what God wants us to understand. And see, we got to remember the church in Thyatira symbolizes the condition of Christianity from A.D. 58 to 1565. So during this time, the danger to God's people did not come from outside the church, but from within. Thank you. This is what we got to remember. The world has nothing to do with the church. The church does damage to itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, people outside the church don't care what's going on in the church because they don't come inside of the church. They don't even bother about coming inside. We're trying to get them to come. So the damage is done by God's people to themselves. Exactly, because tradition is re has replaced the Bible, and human priesthood and sacred relics replaced Christ's priesthood, and works were record regarded as the means of salvation. So those who did not accept these corrupting influences were persecuted and even killed. For centuries, the true church found refuge in the wilderness areas. But Jesus also commands the church in which thy title for their faith and love, works and service, according to the Reformation and the beginning of a return to the Bible. See, and that's the thing, that they, back then, they were compromised so much, they were brained the paganist things from the outside and bring them into the church. Yes, Can you see those things happening today to yeah, God's tradition? church? They're, they're, they're coming right back today. Oh, yeah. Uh, where Talking about the state of the dead. People the young think state of the dead. When uh, people die, they go straight to heaven. You know, That's not correct. And you find people uh, going out to celebrate birthdays with dead. The Bible says the dead knows nothing. Right. And the lie know no, one thing, that they're going to die. See, all those pagan things that's coming back, that people are going to be mad and angry with the people that know God and say, hey, that's not right. That's not true. The dead know nothing. And the lie know one thing, that they're going to die. See, that's going to be a conflict between God's people. That's right. See? Like you said, the truth, the God's word, is, is the truth, and when we stand on the truth, we don't have to compromise anything. Dude, what, what kind of God would God be if the dead was up there looking down on their loved mm. one, being mistreated, being hungry, 
being raped, abused, being abused, what would it, what kind of God would be to let your mother be in heaven looking down on you being treated like that? I think that that well, is that, that, that's that, me. That wouldn't be a very yeah, that wouldn't be a very good God. See, Satan got you fooled with all these lies. And people actually be that they can, that God is doing this. You can go out to the cemetery and talk to the dead. All these things are not true. So this is a conflict. These are the things that's happening right today that's going to be a conflict between the Christians, God people, and the church. That's right, because he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's right. He didn't say keep nine of them. He said keep all of all them. All of them. And the fourth commandment is the thing that's going on between the Christians. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's right. And so we got to come. So all these things you read about right now that happened back then is getting ready to come back around in the world today. Like you said, tradition. Have replaced the Bible. Have replaced the Bible. Sure have. And like the you Bible. said, the works were regarded uh, as the means of salvation. Uh, that is not true. Uh, God, God, he uh, created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's correct. Okay, here we go again with another conflict with the with the with, with the uh, the world and the church. So, you know, these things are given, and we're going to be persecuted for these things that we don't believe in, that we know the Bible speaks strictly against. So you might as well get close to God, get ready to be persecuted for righteousness and holy things. Amen. You might as well be ready to be punished for these things because people believe in the worldly way, you That's know. Right. And so they're coming back around. You read right here in Revelation, they did then. They persecuted God's people then. And they're going to they, do it again. And they're going to do in it again. In the last days. The, the biggest last thing day. that we got to understand is that you need to know the word for yourself so that you can stand on the truth and it won't be no compromises. No matter what my pastor say. If he's not speaking according to, this to word. the word of God, there's no light in there's him either. No light in him. There's no light in him or any man that do not speak according to this word right here. And and, and so you're gonna have a conflict. You might well get ready for it. I'm gonna die for God. I ain't dying for no man. I don't care what no man say. I'm not dying for him. I'm going to die for God. It's right here in his word. You can't read it and say you don't understand it. You can read it and don't understand it because you don't want to live by it. That's right. And we're going to go to Revelation 2.25. You're in Revelation 2.25. 2.25. Oh, let me get that. 2.25. This is what he wanted all to do. 25. All right. 25. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. And it says in mine, but what you have, keep safe until, until I, come. I come. So if you know the truth in his word, he wants you to stand on the truth until he comes. Until he comes. Stand on it, hold it until he comes, yeah? You may suck here, but you got eternity life to for and ever if you stand on the truth now. Amen. Stand on it now. 
Now we have we have more churches to talk about, but we don't have time today. But we will be back, Lord's willing, Wednesday. And our next message will be to the church of Sardis. So we thank you for joining us today, right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweetling Bible Study Hour. We're going to play a song and then we'll come back with our email address and closing prayer right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweetling Bible Study Hour. I'm going to get. like I used to be. Get in no hurry.
joining us right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sleeping Bible Study Hour. And Lord willing, we'll be back Wednesday to discuss the other churches and uh, that Jesus sent a message to. So we thank you for joining us. And if you need prayer, if you have Bible questions, you can email us at robtgina50 at gmail.com. And we're going to have closing prayer. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and everlasting help, we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing, and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life, and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, who was totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, Renew our minds and saturate them in your word, that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else, while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. We thank you for joining us. We'll be back Wednesday. We're on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. So we thank you for joining us tonight and may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings and have a good night. Good night.